Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for being with us today. I believe I have a, a word that's going to encourage you greatly this morning. Is this a little too loud for anybody? Sale and Kathy. They just got married last week. Congratulations, guys. It was hot that day. Me and Sal, I don't know how Kathy didn't sweat. I don't know if you have like makeup that doesn't sweat, but me and Sal were, were dripping. It was outside. So that was a beautiful wedding and uh, what an honor it was to officiate the wedding. So this morning we're going to talk about this idea of trusting God. And I believe there's a reason why this has been on my heart the last number of days. And many of you here today, I just believe this to be true, probably because it's statistically true. Many of you struggle to trust God. You know, there's a phrase, if somebody said this about you or somebody said this about somebody, oh, I'm just trying to trust them, what an indictment that would be about the person you're saying it about, wouldn't it? Is I'm just trying to trust them, almost like I don't know if I fully can, I don't know if they have the character to back up what they promised that they would do. And life has a way of causing us to believe something that's not true about him. There are many people walking around this life who are angry at him, who are, who are upset that he didn't do something maybe he promised, why, they, why he allowed certain things in their childhood, and so they have a perspective about God that does not allow them to trust him. And so I know many of you here are struggling to trust God, to let go of the cares of this life. How many have children in this room? No matter how old, it doesn't matter. Those names have cares, don't they? <laughs> or those cares have names. And those are the names of our children. And oftentimes, uh, I, I talk to some of you who you have children growing up through their high school, college age, and I can, I'm watching how difficult it is to let go of some of the things that, the wrong decisions they're going to make and some of the thinking that they have. And, and I get to watch how it's so difficult at times to give God a care that's weighing us down. And it's almost like we hold on to it like this is proof that I care about life is I'm going to hold on to this care and it eats at us and it weighs us down and we feel burdened by the things that we're carrying. Some of us struggle to trust God and to let go of our worries. How about this? This was, this was me. Some of us struggle to let go of the plans that we have. I'm going to share a story in just a few minutes about my own journey and my own life when it comes to trusting God. And some of us, I talk to many of you in this room, and it's interesting because this is the subject of our conversation. Many of you struggle to let go of figuring it all out, of just trying to now, even your prayer times and your times with God are trying to figure out what he's up to, how is this going to work, what do you have to do, when do you have to do it, how are you going to make it work, and so you're trying and you're just asking and you're just wondering and you're distressing and you're anxious and you're worried, and God is like, what are you doing? Like, do you trust me? And I remember that question came to my mind, the question, do you trust God? And I remember I felt like God just so whispered or gently whispered to me. He said, Justin, no longer do you ever see me saying, do, I, do you trust me? But Justin, the question is, will you trust me? One is very condemning, isn't it? If I asked you in this room, do you trust God? You'd be like, nah, man, I'm really bad at that. But if I asked you this question, 
will you trust him? It's an invitation. It's an invitation to go, okay, God, I, 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 I don't know if I can. I feel like I have a whole bunch of doubts going on. I feel like I'm stressed to the max. But when you say, will you trust me, it's a sign of going, I got this. I've been where we're going. I know where I'm taking you. I've been there already. Will you trust and follow me? And some of us struggle. Some of us aren't willing to take those first initial steps. And I believe for all of us today that God is going to meet you right where you are. That's what I love about the Father is that he knows exactly where each of us are at. And he's not coming to go, oh, you know what, I'm ready. I'm, finally, they got him in church. So I'm going to just smack him upside the head. No, he's ready to meet you right where you're at. And he knows if you're doubting and he's okay. And he goes, I'm going to meet you right in your doubt. He knows some of you in this room are struggling with sin. And he goes, I'm going to meet you right there with the struggle. And we think when he comes to meet us, he's coming to do what most dads may do when we get in trouble, but he's coming to surprise us. And he's coming to go, we can do this. I have the best in mind for you. And that's how he meets it. He said, okay, we're not rushing through this process because he's interested in us becoming who he's called us to be. And God is going to meet some of you with your fears and your worries and your unwillingness to let go of the hurt and the pain and the things that were done to you in your childhood. And how could they do that? And God, why did you allow that? He says, I'm going to meet you right there. And his hand is extended because there's something that he wants to give us. But in order for him to give it to us, he needs us also to let go of the very thing that we're holding on to. And so this morning, I hope to share a little bit about a wonderful God that I have come to personally know. I am not going to share anything today that I read out of a book about this God. There is the creator of the universe that the Lord has allowed me to personally know him and he's allowed all of you to personally know him and the more that I discover about this amazing God, the more I fall in love with him every single day. The more amazed I am at how much he absolutely loves me and how much he wants to show and extend his mercy and his grace and his goodness to me every single morning, that I'm surprised by it. I'm surprised by the fact that he is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he is the same forever. That he thinks about me the same as he did yesterday. He thinks about me the same way today. And he'll think about me the same way tomorrow. I never have to wonder where I'm at with God. That statement right there just messes completely with my religious thinking about my father. That somehow, in some way, God's feelings toward me are based upon me and not based upon him. That in some way, he must be like, <laughs> one day, and like, oh, man, you make me so proud. The next day, like, oh, man, you're such a doofus, Justin. <laughs> like, he must be like this because I'm like this at times. And so what we've done is we've turned the gospel into a place of the cross to a ladder. I know I made that statement last week, and I want to make it again is that when you start with Christ because of the cross, we start to move the cross over here. We come to church, and then the pastor goes, okay, guys, I'm going to teach you now how to live this life for God. And so we strive, and we work so hard to be such good Christians. 
We strive to think the right thoughts and we strive to say the right words and to do the right things and to lift our hands when we feel like we're supposed to lift our hands and smile when we're supposed to smile. And every single time we do it, we feel like, you know what, I'm one you're like, man, why are those people so far back there? Oh, man, I got this thing going on really good. Like, holy cow, like, I'll help you, but you're really far down, and I really can't help you there. And so it's, it becomes all about this performance idea with God. And that, God, you must feel about me according to how I have behaved and according to how I have obeyed. And all those things are important, but when the cross is over there and the ladder becomes the center of our life, it's now who can get to God the quickest and the best and look the best while they're doing it. When in fact, when the ladder is out of the way because there is no ladder and it's only a cross and you're always on your knees saying every single day, Father, thank you for your mercy today because I desperately need it. And I know they do too, but I'm no better than they are and they need mercy just like I do no matter how good they look and how well they worship and how well they pray, we all need the same mercy every single day, then we're always at a place where the cross is the center of our life. And Jesus is the reason for the things that we do. Are you following me? Now, this is important to understand because it all comes down to what are you trusting? And one of the reasons why we struggle to trust God is because we are so self-focused. We know that we can't do this very well. Can I get an amen, Megan? Yep, yep, there he goes. Megan is our amener. And what's that? Yeah, amen. Preach it. Preach it, brother, right? And so what happens is when you become very self-focused in this life, and it's all about you, and it's all about your performance, and think about this, even now trusting God is about what? If you have enough what? Yep, to trust him. And then when you struggle to trust him, guess who you're down upon? Yourself saying, oh man, I don't know, God, I'm so sorry. Why can't I trust you? And, and this whole thing becomes about us rather than realizing that it's not your grip on him, but it is his what? Grip on you. And his grip is extremely strong and extremely secure and extremely gentle. And when we think it's all about us, he lets us do our little self roller coaster until we puke and we don't want to do that roller coaster anymore. <laughs> And then he says, Are you, can, can you let me be the center of this thing? Think about this. Can you, let, can you stop trying to live for me and let me live my life through you? Now, I know that's a semantical statement. Like, it sounds good and it sounds pretty and it sounds like, oh, that's a cool little principle. But when you truly catch the essence of it, which he brought me to, like it took two, 1998, 2000. Let's just do 18, okay? I think I'm there. <laughs> Let's not do 19. 2018, that's what? That's, that's 20, 19, 20 years to get me to a place where I finally have rested in that very statement. God, I'm not trying to live for you today. I want, I want you to live through me. And last night, I was, uh, just came back from Michigan, and I was mowing our, our, our lawn. You know, the neighbors came over, and they loved to talk. They just great neighbors and great talkers. And, uh, and, and I, I missed an opportunity, guys, and I want to tell you why I missed it. Even though I try to go back and undo what I missed. And I'm saying this for a reason because it comes down to getting self out of the way. And we're talking and she has a cross on her neck, on her neck that she wears all the time and we're just talking about him. He has to go to Mayo Clinic and 
He got rejected, and so she was super sad about that. Her husband, they're in their, I think, late 60s, early 70s. She said, yeah, she, said she loves the garden, so her shoulder was out and her knees hurt because she had fallen a couple years ago. And it was at that moment right there, there's a grace that comes on you as a son or daughter of God at that moment to minister to somebody. And, and I passed it up for one reason. I didn't know if God would come through. I, I went back half an hour later over to her house and I said, hey, I, I, I want to make sure I, I pray for your shoulder. And we went through the calisthenics of doing that and nothing happened according to my natural eyes, understanding and eyesight. But I knew as I walked this morning and talking to the Lord about it, I said, Man, Lord, what, what happened? And I missed it because fear, because of self, because of, well, what if I do this? And you play all these stupid scenarios through your mind of talking yourself out of something that you know there's a moment right there that the Holy Spirit is about to do something for that lady, which is probably going to transform that man's life. And because of self, I chose to step away from the situation for a few moments and then engage again because I had to work up the courage. And I just want to encourage you that this life is not about you. Me praying for that lady had nothing to do with me, had nothing to do with where I was and whether or not I looked good or I didn't smell like grass or whether or not I was uh, ready to do it or prayed up enough to do it. God said, that's the moment where my son and daughter, you could have been a light in their dark world. And there's no condemnation with that. It's a father who meets me right where he is and said, Justin, I'm upgrading you, but if you're going to see the things that I know you want to see in your life, it's those moments that you can't let pass by. Our Heavenly Father is the most gracious. I want you to hear these words, and I want to say them slowly so you actually cannot just go, yeah, I know that. Our Heavenly Father is the most gracious, most loving, most kind, most forgiving, sweet, amazing being or person you'll ever meet. No one compares, not even close. Think about this for a moment. Think about the most kind person you've ever met in your life like when i met sarah when we first when we uh, uh, started dating she was the sweetest natured girl i've ever met like i've never met somebody with that mom you're you're, you're close second but <laughs> she was so sweet and she pales in comparison to god's nature toward me the most kind person you could ever, the most gentle person you could ever think of. My, my friend Dione Victor, and the most gentle person I've ever met, and he doesn't even come close to how gentle God is. The one person that you go, man, that, you know what? They are like the most happy person I've ever met. Like it just makes you mad sometimes, right? <laughs> the most happy person doesn't come close to how joyful God is. Like when you think about God, do you see a smile on his face? And everybody said, nope. <laughs> like, no, but it's hard to see that. But he's the most joyful being you'll ever meet. There's nobody no, more joyful than our father. There's more, nobody more loving. Like think about the time that you were deeply loved. I know Megan is a, a, is a doula. Is that how you say it? And, and in those moments, the, the lady who's given birth feels like, man, I, I have been so loved by this, and, and that's 
What she's there for is to comfort them, to love them, to be there for them, and nothing comes close. That doesn't even come close to how much God is for you in, in the moment when you're feeling something. He's the most loving, gentle, comforting being that you'll ever meet. And yet our perception of God is everything but that. We think he's frustrated and disappointed. He must be angry. He must be upset. Like, look at the world. How can he not be upset? Look at me. How can he not be frustrated? But I'm not moved. He's not moved by me. He's moved by him. That makes him God. I'm moved by me. I'm moved by you. That makes me a human. But he's not moved by anybody but he is. I am. He is what? I am. And I want to make sure that's crystal clear because the truth of who God really is and what he is really like will set us all free to have an amazing experience with God. One of the reasons why your relationship with God is not one of joy and adventure and excitement is because you don't see him rightly. You don't see him as the most loving person in your life. You don't see him as the most patient. Think about God. He is the most patient person in your life and yet you think he's what frustrated with you do, do patience and frustration go together when you see somebody in the line we just had a story of uh, my buddy tony her, his sister was at a car rental place and and we we're talking about uh, how she's going to be as a flight attendant and tony's like man she's really great with those scenarios she walks in the house and she goes i just rented a car we said how did that go she goes i lost it on the girl and if you've ever seen somebody in a line getting frustrated or at a flight where they missed their flight, what are they like? They're just ready in the moment like heated. Emotions are erupting and they're ready to explode on the person. God is never like that. Now think about that. He is patient toward us. And never forget this. This one phrase, it shaped my life more than I think I'll ever realize. And I know it's impacted many of you in this room that God is relational before he's functional. I just want to take a moment and help you understand what that could look like inside your life, that God is relational to me before he's expecting function from me. And my relationship with him is not based upon function, it's based upon Christ. And so what Christ did for me now allows me to have this free, open, enjoyment relationship with the Heavenly Father, and now my function comes from that, but my function does not determine how he feels toward me. Amen. Who said that? Thanks, Joe. Thanks for showing up today. <laughs> this means this. Look at this. Next slide. His pleasure toward you is first relational before functional. Wait, so think, think about the ramifications of what that means. God's pleased with you based upon what? His relationship with you before he is your functions for him. That's a hard one to swallow. And it sounds good, but it seems so hard for us to accept. His delight in you is first relational. It's who you are to him more than what you do for him. And so his delight in you, when you have a baby born, what do you experience? Pleasure, delight, and all you want to do is what? give favor. Why? Because that is your baby. That's your son or daughter. And so my, my pleasure in my daughter 
was what? First relational. It was all about, that's my daughter, my pleasure. My delight in that baby was all about, and then they get, right, two, two and a half, three years old like Emma, and then you're like, where did my pleasure go? Where did my delight go? Like this, I used to love this little one, and now they're, 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 they're testing me. But this is God. His pleasure toward you is first relational before functional. His delight in you is first relational before functional. His favor for you is first relational before functional. And there are many ways that Satan attempts to keep us from responding and receiving the love of God. And one of the most subtle yet deadly ways that he has been able to deceive us is thinking that God's love is tied to my performance. We, we, all, we all fall in this trap that somehow we believe God's love for me is measured or based upon how well I've performed for him. So if I'm performing poorly, what do we struggle about God? I don't know if he can love me. How can he love me if I'm like this? Because people will reject you. People will criticize you. People will put you to the side when you act like a, a crazy person. But God, he wants his love to transform us. And so his love is because he is love. It's a disposition. I, if anybody has a question about this statement I'm about to make afterwards, please let's talk. I think it's an important conversation to have. We talk about in all of our music throughout all mankind. You fall in the love. Love is an emotion, right? We all know that's not the case. We, sometimes we don't have an emotion toward our spouse even. Uh, we don't have an emotion toward our kids, but we love them. So what we've done is we've now moved over to love is a... What? <laughs> okay, so who said that one? Perfect. Choice. Okay, so love is a choice. So we, we come and conclude that love is a choice. Now think about this, if this is how God was toward you. I'm choosing to love them. I'm choosing to love him. Jesus like, uh, what, what do you think about Jesus, Justin today? I, I'm, you know what? I'm choosing to love him today. <laughs> what does that make you feel like? Feel guilty because yeah, he has to, he's choosing? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm choosing to love that person. Even when you say, uh, I hate him, but I'm choosing to love him. Oh, well, that sounds like love. And me and, me and Mike were talking about this yesterday. No, God's disposition toward you is love. He cannot do anything but love you. So it's his disposition, and when he begins to give us his love, and we now have dispositions toward people. That's why when he says, love your enemies, we go, how can I love somebody I hate? Oh, he goes, oh, you didn't catch the idea. It's about becoming love so you no longer hate them. Now your disposition toward them is, I hurt for them rather than be hurt by them. Now I'm becoming love. I'm no longer trying to love. Are you following me? And God is not choosing to love you. (laughs) He loves you, and he loves right where you are, and he's going to meet you right where you are, and it's by that love that he transforms us into mature sons and daughters that can now go and love others because we're secure in this. If I'm not secure in my relationship with God, I struggle to give what I don't receive from God, and now I'm trying to what? I'm entering every, every environment, every relationship, everything I'm going into is about one thing. I need something from this. In love, and I know this is another strong statement, guys, and please, if you ever need to talk to me about these things, let's do it. Love doesn't need. God doesn't need us. Why? Because he's what? He's love. 
And so all he can do now is consumed with giving to us. Because you get your source from something else. And when I'm getting this security from this, I no longer need Sarah to be everything I need her to be for me in order for me to be somewhat happy and feel accepted and feel like she's a good wife and I, I just you know, I can't be happy because of the way she's acting. No, no, no. I get that from him so that I can love her no matter what. I get that from him so I can look at my two girls and see them the way that he sees them. And when I don't, it's just back to the drawing board of not, oh man, I need, to, I need to start loving them more. No, no, no. God, help me to see those two girls the way that I see them because right now, I don't see them that way. <laughs> or we talk to God about how he should see them. <laughs> how he should see our spouses when in fact, no, 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 I'm going here and I'm trying to get this so I no longer need every single one of you to feed something to me then I can finally be good. Now I can finally be a pastor that's happy because now you're all happy with me. No, Father, I thank you that I can see myself the way that I see so now when they come here, I can give them something that God gave me. And I'm no longer giving you something of my own. I'm just being the vessel so God can now flow through and live through me so you can experience hopefully a little glimpse of God in humanity rather than you experience Justin and his bad day. Because if I, don't, if, I, if I don't live that way, then I learn, and we all learn collectively how to pretend on Sunday. And who hates that? Because pretending destroys the next generation, doesn't it? It literally destroys the generation because they're like, it's Sunday. And then get in the car, it's like, I hate you. And they're fighting because we pretended. We chose to now try to be something on a day because that's what you be rather than just to become the very thing that we can get from him. And so my trust in God is based upon my relationship to him, of who he is to me and who I am to him. I want you to see this because if there was a hole in this roof, okay, let's say there was a hole right directly above Scotty, okay? If there was a hole directly above Scotty, would anybody of us notice it on a beautiful day like today? No. If it started to pour, who would get the experience? Scotty. And so sometimes we think when the, everything's well, man, life is good. And then when it rains in our life and the storms hit, and it starts to rain, we start to pray and ask God to what? Make it no longer rain. And he's saying, oh, you know how you lashed out at your wife and you actually came to me and said, Lord, fix your wife, but you lashed out on her because she made you mad? Oh, that, that just reveals that there's a hole in the roof. And that's where he begins to go, you know what? Let's not talk about the rain because all we have to do is just upgrade and fix the roof and the rain will no longer be a problem to you. And the same thing is true with us, is sometimes when you, when, I don't know, give me a scenario, somebody gets let go from a job, what happens? 
anxiousness rise up and fear and we start to freak out. What God is saying is not going, don't freak out. He's saying, do you see the crack there? All right, let's work on that. I want to meet you right there. No, 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 but God, I need a job. No, 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 you don't need a job. You need me. So that you can be peaceful no matter if you lost your job or whether you have a job that's paying you well. Whether your wife is happy or whether she's not happy. Whether your kids are behaving or whether they're living for the world. You know what? You need me so I can meet you right there. And now you no longer are moved by the rain. You know that, hey, God is my source of whatever it is I need. Are you following me? So the Lord took me on this little journey a couple years ago. It was probably a long time in the making. But he began to disrupt my perfect plan. My master plan that was driven by ambition and ego that was wrapped with Christ. And because I was able to wrap it so nicely, it was undetectable for most people. And if they did detect it and they presented it to me, I couldn't detect it. And so as I'm going through this process of walking in ministry and I have desires, I have goals, I have dreams, I have visions of what I want to see ministry look like for me, I get closer to tasting it. And the Lord starts to, through my wife initially and then in my own heart, starts to say, it's not what I have for you. I just remember him telling Abraham, I gave you a promise of a son he gets the son, and then what does he say? Let's sacrifice your son. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, are you okay up there, Lord? Like, are you having a bad day? Because uh, Isaac does not need to be part of your bad day, okay? Like, but he didn't say that. He says, whatever it is you want me to do, and he'll do it. How do you get to a place like that? And so as the Lord began to take me on this journey, what he was doing was he, le- he was leading me somewhere. But he wasn't leading me to a next ministry opportunity or to a next way that my ego and my ambition could be fulfilled and self could grow bigger. He was leading me to a place where he says, deny self and take up your... He was leading me to a cross. He was leading me to a place of saying, will you put those on the cross so that I could actually have you? Because once I have you, Justin, and you don't have that inside of you, watch what I can do with you. Boy, did I not realize what he was doing because he was beginning to form inside of me. Justin, I want you to realize where you begin to think you trust me until I start to change your plans. And so everything's rocking and rolling, man. The things are going to plans. The timeline's taking a little bit longer than I expected, but that's okay. We're still moving this direction, and now things start to turn. They turn in my heart. They turn in my wife's heart, and now it's like... Uh, you know, it's one of those moments. Like, what, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we doing this, Lord? Why screw up a good thing? Because it's not a good thing for you, Justin, because it's not what I have. And because what's inside of you is not good. And so he begins to now take me on a, this journey that I'm sharing with you of trusting him. And that's when the question was birthed in my heart in 2016 was not Justin, do you? Justin, so will you trust me with this? And I've always been, some, some, for some reason this way, quick to say, yep, let's do it. And I remember taking the steps, and he didn't show me step two, and he didn't show me, like my mom, they just bought us a ping pong table, and there's like 20 steps. She's on nine of 20. I hope she comes over and finishes 10 through 20, but she just, 
Hasn't done yet. Carl, you can do that. And there's steps. And so what happens is we, okay, we, we go to God and we go, okay, God, I'll trust you. All right, let's talk about what we're going to do. Uh, yeah, what's the next step? Are you not going to tell me that? Okay, well, come on. You, wait, you want me to trust you and you're not even going to divulge to me your plan? Absolutely not. And so what happens is we struggle and we have this tension in our own hearts and we want God to fix the tension. And so the only way that we think that he can fix the tension is by telling us what he wants us to do. When in fact he goes, will you trust me? Yes, I will when you tell me what we're going to (laughs) do. And I remember telling you about the story of my little Carly. She was uh, probably four at the time and we were in Chicago going on this massive Ferris wheel, which I hate myself. I hate those things. And, uh, but I wanted to be a strong, not fearful dad. So I was like, we're going to go on this Ferris wheel because that's what mom wants to do. And so we're in line and she said these words to me probably six times. Please, daddy, don't make me, just like this, with those beautiful little blue eyes. Please, daddy, don't make me go on this Ferris wheel. And I looked at her and I said, it's going to be okay. Trust me. Two steps in, please, Daddy, don't make me go on this Ferris wheel. She just kept on saying it. It was a long line of like 25 people. And so finally, we forced her on the Ferris wheel. (laughs) That's what God does, right? He eventually gets you on the Ferris wheel. And and she never wanted to get off. She experienced something in that Ferris wheel where she started to go, wow, I see life from a perspective I never would have seen before. And that's what he was doing with me, too, and he's doing it with all of you. He's leading you to a place, think about this, he is leading all of us to a place of dependency. That's right. You know that bank account that seemed, well, for some of you, I know some of you don't have this yet, but you know that bank account that seems so secure sometimes? The moment our heart finds great comfort and security in that, God goes, I want to lead you away from that. He's not bad. It's not bad with having money. But when that has consumed your security as your blanket, God goes, would you give it away? Rich young ruler, what did he do? He came and said, what can I do to be saved? He took him through this list. He said, you know what? One thing you lack, go and, go and what? Go and let go of what you're depending on. And the guy walked away, what? Sorrowful, and I believe many of us as children of the most faithful, loving Father walk away sorrowful in our own hearts because we won't trust him. When he says, let go. Oh, no, I'm hurt by that person that did that to me. My, my parents did this to me when I was young, and I'm so hurt. God says, okay, give it to me. And we walk away what? Sorrowful. The Lord taps you on the shoulder and says, it's time to give some money to the kingdom. What do we do? I can't. Walk away, sorrowful. It's time to go and bless your enemy, your coworker that said such mean things against you. And he says, it's time to go love him. And what do we do? We walk away, sorrowful. It's time to go encourage that person over there, that homeless person. And we're inconvenienced by it, and so we just don't do it. What do we do? We walk away, sorrowful. These are all opportunities to trust him. Are you following me? And I want you to know you can trust him. I know him personally, and every time I've trusted him, we we stepped away from that ministry experience, the plan that I had for my life. My iPad only has 5% battery, so it's about to die soon. So once it dies, we're done. (laughs) 
Let me just turn down the light a little bit. Okay. There we go. It's going gonna, it's gonna to give us a little bit more percentage. And step away. And then we stepped away. We moved. And we moved to Florida. And that was one of the most awkward seasons of life because no longer did I have everything that fed me. And then my our daughter got sick there in Florida. We moved back. And then he began to say, it's time to begin to think about New Day. And every, every single time, it's just this, Justin, wait, 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 wait. I know you have so many questions, Justin, but I have one question back to you. Will you trust me? And all I could say is, yes, Lord. Why? Because I know you're so faithful and you never would let me fail. That he's always what? He's always good. He always has your best in mind and he's always setting you up to succeed in what he's called you to do. I don't care if you're Joseph and you're thrown into a pit, then denied in prison, then accused of something. He's there every way setting you up to succeed at what he's called you to do. The question is, will you trust him in prison, will you trust him when you're accused? Will you trust him when you're hurt? Will you trust him when somebody does you wrong? Will you trust him when plans don't go the way that you want them to? The question is, will you trust him? And at the end of the day, we should just say yes, but the reason why I'm, I, I'm sharing this message that we struggle to say yes is because trust comes down to one thing, knowing him. How do you trust somebody you don't know, and how do you know somebody you're not engaged with? Guys, this is not a church thing. We're not playing church. We are sons and daughters of the living God. He is our father. Jesus is our brother. Jesus is our savior. And he gets to allow us. His presence is what? An open door. And he says, come and know me. You're struggling with trust? Lord, give me more what? Faith. He said, give you more what? Just come and know me. The more you know me, you won't even have a second thought about whether or not you can trust me. Why? Because there's nobody like me. I've been where you've been. I'll give you everything you need. I'll give you the grace to do whatever it is. I got your back. And so I don't know where he's leading you, but I can say this. He's leading you to a place of dependency, which means this. It's outside of your comfort zone. That's right. Like it's outside of the place where you go, hmm, I like this. Is, this life is so easy. Like, holy cow, this is, I love God and this is nice. And God goes, okay, I have something for you to do. Oh, no, 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 no. We always go back to where? Comfort. We always go back to our, this is what works for me. And if we live there, we will go to our grave never experiencing God's faithfulness. How do you know God's faithful when you step out of a boat if you never step out of a boat? How do you know God is faithful when the king says, bow before me, and you go, but I can't do it. And you bow before the king. And there's three other guys who goes, we will not bow to you. And they'll throw you in the fire. Oh, God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, it makes no difference to us. Why? Because we trust him. Why? Because we know him. And now you get to live a life that's exciting. I don't know what that looks like, but it should be exciting to love your enemies. It should be exciting to go the extra mile when somebody says, go one mile, and then God says, go an extra mile. It should be exciting for us to go, I'm ready for whatever, Father God, because I trust 
you. I don't know what this looks like with New Day, but I know little by little he's planting things inside of my heart that I begin to see. I know this next season that I'm talking with Pastor Jim about, I'm like excited beyond no end and I have no clear steps of what it's gonna look like. But the one question I'm answering yes to is God, when he says, will you trust me? I am saying flat out yes. And I'm saying it before he even has to ask it ever again. So God, if you even prompt me with something, yes, I trust you. And if I ever come up to a place, which you'll always do, there's a place where you trust God and you're doing good and you're doing good. And he's like, you trust me, eh? Yeah, I trust you. All right. Let's go to diving board 40 feet. And you're like, ah, oh, that's stupid. That's not even smart, God. Like, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> like, like, right? Like, God's not very smart sometimes when he tells us that, like, it doesn't make sense, God. Like, this is much better. I'm trusting you at 20 feet. Why would I have to trust you at 40 to prove it? And he said about Abraham, now I know that you fear me. It's about trust. And trust is all about relationship. And it says that faith, our faith worketh through what? Love. Galatians 5, 6. I think that's on the screen. I have 100 verses on the screen, but we haven't used any of them. So, And I think Jackson... Or whoever's back there is officially asleep. So <laughs> Galatians 5, 6. Okay. Maybe it's not up there. <laughs> yeah, it probably did. You're, you're right. You're such a grandma. Such a grandma. There's a reason, right? Look at Luke 12, 32, the next one. Oh, it's not up there, right? Okay. Here, it says this. It should be up there, actually. Jackson. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. My trust rests in this. God is always good. He always has my best in mind, and he's always setting me up to succeed. No matter what I face, I, my trust is in his goodness, and my trust is in secure in his love for me that I know that even if I fall, he'll be right there with me. I don't know what else to can. Are we okay in time? It don't matter, does it? Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. Look at these words. That one should be on the screen, Jackson. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being what? Rooted and grounded in what? It does not say rooted and grounded in new day. It does not say rooted and grounded in a church. It does not say rooted and grounded in another person. It does not say rooted and grounded in anything except one thing, in love. That's where our roots thrive. That's the soil that we come alive. That's the soil where we feel secure. That's the soil where I know I'm accepted, where I know I won't be rejected, where I know that God is for me and he's not against me. I'm rooted and grounded in love. And so when God took me on that journey in 2016, all the way up until this date, he was what? Showing me where to put my roots down. And it's so scary sometimes because we feel like I need this to root something down. Because love seems so hard to, 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 to understand and to comprehend. And he says, Justin, when you're rooted there, watch what I will do inside your life. It's the most richest soil that you could root yourself in. And he says, and that you may be able, Paul is praying this prayer, that you may be able, and I pray this over you guys so often, that you may be able to comprehend fathom, begin to just get a glimpse of what, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love 
of Christ, which passes all knowledge, and that you may be all filled with the, the fullness of God. Oh, I pray that that's true inside of you because when you finally realize, man, he loves me like no end, I'll trust you. And I no longer, I haven't asked a question in over a year. This is, this is different for me. I used to be, God, we're going to systematize this thing. Like, we'll take what you are all crazy about and let's make it into a nice little system, make it into a road, and I'll go down that path. And now it's, I haven't even asked him what step two is. I haven't even asked him what step three is. I just know he's put something into my heart, and God, I'm looking forward to what you're working on behind the scenes, and now I'm excited. Why? Not because I'm a great person of faith, because I finally have come to rest in his love for me. I finally come to realize the revelation that God is love toward me, and that he'll never let me fail. He'll never let me go to a place where he doesn't want me to go to. He is a good shepherd in my life. Amen? And when, I, when I'm secure in that, I finally can just take every step, even though it's pitch black, well, let's go here. Oh, cool, we're going that way. Let's go that way. And it's exciting now. It's not something. And so then he leads me to those places where I realized last night there was a hole in my roof when he asked me to pray for that person. It was. There's a new upgrade he was giving me on trusting him. Why? Because everything in me when that was introduced to me, and the first person that rose out of that was me, I realized there's the crack. Because Jesus did not take center stage there. All Jesus wanted to do was love that lady through my life. And I closed the, the pipe. Are you following me? Because I wasn't secure in that area dependency upon him in that moment. So let me just show you this definition that I was working on of trust. I know it's long. I try to compact it as much as possible, but I want you to catch the essence of this because trust is not something you do. It's a response to who he is. Are you following me? It's not about mustering up the courage to trust him. It's my response to a father's love. Listen to these words. That allows me to follow his leading regardless of the what, cost, or my ability to understand why. There's an owner, um, you guys would know his name, I, I, it's, not, it's not coming to my mind, of Chick-fil-A. There is some moment in his heart where the Lord spoke to him and said, don't open on... Trust is what? My response that a loving father would prompt me that I can follow his leading regardless of the what, the cost, that that's the most profitable day for a fast food place is a Sunday on the weekend and God prompted him not to take Monday off, but to take what? I don't understand the cost it's going to be or my ability to understand why. Can you imagine the first number of months of looking at the books and going, man, what if we just opened on this day, how much more we would have? And I just saw a stat that they came in number three. Number one. <laughs> Information is so fast these days. But that's a trust issue. There will be times where he may go, it's time to leave the workplace. 
and step into this arena I have for you. And you know what we do? Okay, well, well, let's talk about this, Lord, okay? (laughs) And I'm not saying do all this stuff unless the Lord is prompting you. But trust is when I finally am secure in my Father's love and I can say, okay, I will follow your leading regardless of the cost or my ability to understand why. It's where we found ourselves in Florida asking the question, at this point, I'm just going to throw out a number, um, and it's not to brag, um, but when we left to go to Florida, because we felt like we were being led there, Sarah stepped away from making easily $200,000 a year. I stepped away from something that was secure and that I knew was going to be our future financially in ministry. Trust is what? (laughs) Breaks my heart. Responding to a father's love to follow his leading no matter what the cost is or your ability to understand why. Because why does it even matter when you know he loves me? I have my Aunt Patty up here who lost her husband. Is it now almost two years ago? Almost two years ago. And now he's going to lead her certain places. And I remember where she was struggling about how the finance is going to work. Am I going to stay in this home? What am I going to do here? And even to this day, I'm sure she still faces off with those challenges. But the trust is this. It's, It's Patty's response to the Father's love that you'll follow his leading regardless of the cost or how this is going to work itself out. Because it doesn't matter. The cost doesn't matter because if he's leading you, he always has something better for you. I'll give you one final example as some of you in this room have yet to accept. That's Gail. She knows we're done. <laughs> she know, no, she knows we're done, yeah. I said one final point. She heard final. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that kind of stuff. Is some of you have yet to respond to a father's love that he gave you Jesus and he says, surrender your life and accept Christ regardless of the cost. It may cost family members. It may cost embarrassment. It may cost whatever it is. And we just have yet to receive Christ. I don't know what this is inside your life. I don't know what this is speaking to inside your life, but let me finish off with these phrases. When you are weak, you can trust that his grace is sufficient. When you feel rejected, you can trust that he has accepted you. He'll never reject you. When you feel lost, You can trust that he will lead and he will guide you. When you feel alone, you can trust him to care for you. When you don't know who to turn to, you can trust that he is with you. When you are fearful, you can trust that he'll give you the courage to take the steps. When you are hurt, you can trust that he will comfort you in your pain. When you can't walk anymore and you think that you're done, you can trust that he will carry you through. When you're ready to give up, you can trust him to empower you. And when you have no one to lean on, you can trust that he will be your rock. In the times when you're ready to give up, you can trust God. I know him personally. I'm telling you, no matter what he said to you, he is faithful. He will do whatever he said to you. And if you find yourself struggling to trust, you, trust him, go know him. 
Don't ask him for more faith. Don't say, you know what, I need to read more Bible. This is maybe a great place to go know him. But go spend time with your father. And as you realize, my gosh, God, you're so good. I can trust you with my life. If I can trust you with my life and my eternity, I can trust you with summer. My daughter who is sick, I can trust you and say, God, I trust you. Why? Because I know you love her way more than I love her. And I'll trust you with my family members, and I'll trust you with my future, and I'll trust you with New Day. Lord, I trust you. Now, lead me. And that's where the joy comes in. It's not like, I trust you. I hope you really make this thing work out for me. (laughs) Like, this is not trust. This is like, he's going to do the same thing. goes, well, guess what? It's probably not going to work this way. I can tell you that right now. His trust is, are you ready? Ready for what? Uh, an adventure. Yeah, well, what are we going to do? Oh, you know that, that, that pain you're feeling inside about those people? We're going to go love them. Love who? The ones who hurt you. Uh, no, thank you. I'll pass. <laughs> like, I'll pass, God. You, you go do that. <laughs> and he goes, no, 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 no. I want to show you the power of following my path. And now he shows us then I'm not moved by anybody or anything because he's the one that's leading me. Though I walk through the shadow or the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil for you are with me. Can you imagine God was with him and he was still in a valley? How does that work out? We think if God's with us, I should beware on the mountaintop. And who was leading that man? God. Through a... Will you trust him? Let's pray. So Father, we bless your holy name. We thank you for being who you are and revealing yourself to us. Lord, I know there's many in this room that have been ministered by your spirit today because their trust is anywhere but you. I pray that you birth inside of them a heart that longs to know who this God is that I'm talking about. Church, there's no shortcut to what I'm talking about today. None. Don't go read a book on trusting God and think you got it. That's like reading a book about having a kid. You're like, that book was pointless. First one it worked on, but the second one, what's the difference? Why are they so different? Father, we just recognize your presence in this place and you're working on our hearts and you're inviting all of us to trust you on this amazing adventure that you have for all of us. And so we bless you today. Every care, every worry, every fear, every insecurity, we give it to you because that's where it belongs. And we just receive your love and your grace and your mercy and your kindness and your goodness and your love for our lives. And we rest in that. As David said, be still and know that I am God. You are God. And I thank you for meeting us as humans right where we are and invading our space for just a moment this morning. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Jesus a hand, amen. You can stand with me this morning.